All right, all right. I want to welcome all of our campuses to a brand new series. We're kicking off this weekend. I want to welcome those online as well to week one of our series entitled In God We Trust. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are with us? Baton Rouge, Gulf Coast, Bay St. Louis. Man, we're so excited to have all you guys with us. Of course, those on the South Shore are excited about you guys getting your new building next month. We're very, very fired up about that. And of course, always at Little Creek. Well, we are excited to kick off a new series today. I want to talk to you about the importance of living in financial and emotional peace. Now, it's interesting. I put those two things together and I put them together for a reason. I don't believe that there's any other area in our lives that, that, that we can walk in anxiety or in peace more than in this area of our finances. Interesting, as a pastor, you, you hear this term all the time about trusting the Lord, right? We've got to trust God. We've got to give our lives to God. Absolutely we do. I believe that you can't become a Christian unless you trust God with your soul. And yet... We'll trust God with our soul. We'll trust God with our future, with our eternal future. And yet, why is it hard sometimes to trust God with our money? If we'll trust God with everything in our lives, our family, our kids, our relationships, but, but this little area right here, it's like, oh man, I don't know about that, God. I mean, after all, you know a lot, God, but I'm not sure you kind of have insight on that area. Well, I think that God is, calls us to trust. Everybody say trust. God calls us to trust him in every area. Speaking of struggling with trust, I heard the story about a young girl. Her mother wanted to teach her daughter a moral lesson. So she gave the little girl a quarter and a dollar for church, and she said, put Put whatever you want in the collection plate. Put one in the collection plate, and then you just keep, well, you just keep the other one for yourself. When they were leaving, the mother asked her daughter which one she gave. She goes, well, I was going to give the dollar. And then the man up front, I guess he's the preacher, said that you should only give if you have a cheerful heart. And I thought I'd be a lot cheerful if I gave the quarter, so I kept the dollar, and I took that one home. <laughs> it's funny, and yet we all struggle with trust. Now, now, for those of you that are new, or for those of you that are checking out Church of the King, or maybe you're just checking out Christianity, you know, every year during this time, I'll speak for two or three weeks, and I'll, and I'll talk about this topic, and I'm going to tell you why I talk about this topic. I'll talk about God's perspective of money, of possessions, of resources, and this topic today, I'm going to give you a term. Some of you may or may not have ever heard the term before, related to church, Related to the Bible, you say, Pastor, why are we talking? Why do we do that every year? Why every year during this time do you go to this? I'll tell you why. There's a term that we, well, I'm not going to say we learned it. Matter of fact, I don't think any kid learned this term. Now, I have four children. I have three older children. And then I have a young 10-year-old. And I cannot remember ever teaching my children this term. I don't know where they got it from. Probably a neighbor's kid. (laughs) You guys ready for this? All right, all right, here we go. Quiz. What is the first word that every child globally says? What's the first word? Dad. Okay, okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, okay. 
all right, all right, all right. Okay, that's not true. Okay, I just want I just as a little microaggression. But anyway, so I, okay, it's 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 one of the parents. But okay, before that, the the first word that every kid says, globally speaking, say it out loud. Come on, the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, say it. Mine. Now, where did they learn that term? Where did they learn that term? They, they want to define the boundaries of their life right there. They're establishing their perimeter right off the bat. They're putting up fences. Mine. Mine. Now, in a sense, we understand that with self-autonomy, that we do understand that we need to regulate our world. But yet, there's something about that term that's good, but there's something about that term that's dangerous. Very theologically. Yeah. Pastor, why? You still haven't answered the question. Why do you spend two to three weeks every year, the end of October, beginning of November? Why? All of the thousands of people at all the campuses, they get messages and, and, and fr fr from you and, and, and from the church about this topic. I'll tell you why. For those of you that are new, and you've never heard this before. You know those little sayings, or let me say this. You know the, 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 the moral teachings that Jesus does in the Bible? They're, they're, they're called, does anybody know? They're, it's in red, okay? Does anybody know they're called, begins with a P, they're called what, say it? Parables. Did you know that 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus taught have to do with money, possessions, and resources? Now figure that out, it's about 40%. I want you to think about that. In the Bible, listen to this, in the Bible is 500 verses on prayer. Old and New Testament, 500 verses on prayer. How many of y'all think that prayer is an important topic? Come on, raise your hand, all the campuses. I think prayer is huge. It's our communication to God. 500 verses on prayer. 500 verses on heaven, Old and New Testament. How many of y'all want to go to heaven? Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, uh oh, get ready, get ready. There's also 500 verses on hell. I don't want to go there. Did you know that in the Bible, Old and New Testament, there's over 2,350 verses on money, possessions, and resources? Now, now, why is that? I think that Jesus, listen, he, he wants to make sure that we've got his perspective on this topic. By the way, you know there's only two gods? You, you know, we, we are monotheistic. Mono is the Latin word one. There are what's called polytheistic cultures where they allegedly worship many, many gods. But the truth is, Jesus said, there's only two gods. Jehovah God or money. Did y'all realize that? And by the way, money is a wonderful tool, but a lousy God. But when we serve God and we understand money from God's perspective, oh, there's a liberating power released in our soul. But when we don't, we don't understand money from God's perspective. It can, listen, huh, the truth is financial distress and anxiety will steal your peace. It'll steal your emotional soulless. You talk about just, just emotional anxiety. When we don't understand from God's perspective and do it God's way, hey, Still, the number one cause of divorce in America is related to money. Now, and the secondary issues may, they, they may digress in other things, but if you go back, so much of it is related to not having God's perspective of money. 
And that's why God talks so much about it in his word. Now, here's what I want to do. I'm going to teach you guys a concept. All right, it's a biblical concept. I'm, I'm going to go all throughout the scripture today, but I'm going to teach you a biblical concept. It is used in the English language. It's an interesting term. It's an interesting term, but, but I think it's important. Matter of fact, I'm going to talk to you today about a concept that if you will get this concept, it will decrease the anxiety in your life and it will increase the peace in your life. Pastor, that is a bold promise. I'm going to say it again. If you get this concept today, then I'm going to teach you from the word of God. Listen, it will decrease the anxiety in your life and it will increase the emotional peace in your life. It's this biblical concept of the word stewardship. A lot of confusion. Immediately when people think stewardship, they think giving. Giving's a part of stewardship, but stewardship's much bigger than that. Stewardship is an interesting word. Matter of fact, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. These are so liberating when we finally begin to apply these to our lives. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, moreover, it is required in, what's that next word? Say it, stewards, that one be found faithful. King David wrote in Psalms 24, the concept of stewardship he speaks of it here. He says, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness and the world and those who dwell there. And the truth is, listen, the truth is God owns it all. And we steward over what God gives us. We steward over everything that God gives us, but God is the owner. Here's the definition, stewardship. A steward is not an owner, but a manager over something that's owned by another. There is a difference between stewardship, listen to me. There's a difference between, I'll, I'll flip it. There's a difference between ownership and stewardship. Analogous term for steward, manager. Analogous term for manager, caretaker. Owner, steward. Don't flip them. When you flip them, it causes pain. When they're in the right perspective and the right proportion, it releases peace. Everybody say ownership. Everybody say stewardship. Now, a stewardship and trust go hand in hand. Matter of fact, this whole series, In God We Trust, we, 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 if we don't understand God's perspective on stewardship, it's very difficult to trust God in this area. The power of perspective. The power of perspective. Recently, I heard an interesting story about the word perspective. Consider the story of a blind man who attempted to describe an elephant. He put his arms around one of the animal's massive legs and said, the bark is very rough. He felt the tusk and, and said, the branches are smooth but strong. Finally, he handled the giant ear of the elephant and remarked, the elephant's leaves are they're, 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 they're huge and they're thick. In conclusion, he declared, the elephant is one of the world's most unusual trees. Wow, his perspective. His perspective is what he felt. His perspective is what he perceived it to be because nobody told him that that was not a tree, but that's actually an elephant. See, here's what I believe. I don't believe that Christians, most Christians are rebellious. I believe that a lot of Christians are uninformed. 
don't believe that they, that they really understand that the Bible is so practical. Pastor, I just thought this whole thing was about making sure that we miss that place and we make that place. And yet, little do we realize that, yes, trust me, listen, our faith in Christ that when we trust Christ as our Savior and our sins are forgiven and they're washed and, and, and we're eternally secure in our relationship with God and we pass from this life and we go into heaven for eternity, trust me, that is the ultimate. But I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't want you living in hell on earth. He equips you, listen, with his manual and his blueprint for living in one of the areas that he addresses is this area called stewardship. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Matthew chapter 25. In this parable known as the parable of the talents, I'm going to teach you today four things out of this. Jesus paints a picture of the importance of wisely stewarding us what he gives to us. This parable can be used to describe our time, our talent, and our treasure. But if we take it at face value, the amount of money that he's talking about, a talent in the time of Jesus was $1,000. It was a coin. Now, I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. This is so important. Matthew chapter 25, the classic chapter, I believe, specifically in the Gospels, but all of the New Testament, the parable of the talents, it's preceded by Matthew chapter 24. Why is that important? Matthew chapter 24, I'll read it. Verse 45, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, when he comes. Matter of fact, if you missed last week, I talked out of the book of Daniel. Six weeks, I taught out of the book of Daniel. Last week was all about the end times the return of Christ and a rapture and the Antichrist. So there's a lot of deep stuff last week. You can always go and download that. But here, conclusively, all Christians believe, every Christian across the board, if they believe the scripture, they believe that Jesus lived and that he died and that he rose again. But they also believe he's coming back. But when Jesus comes back, what is he looking for? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, Blessed is that servant whom his master, everyone say master. Our master is Jesus. We serve the master, Jesus. When the master comes back, what will he find us doing? Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over many goods. In other words, the pre, listen, the, the chapter 24, which precedes chapter 25, Jesus is coming back. How many are excited Jesus is coming back? But listen to me. When he comes back, don't miss this. When he comes back, he's looking for his servants, and he wants to find wise servants that stewarded the things that he entrusted to them. Did you and I steward the relationships? By the way, stewardship is more than just money. Did we steward the relationship? Did we manage the opportunities? Did we manage the gifts and the talents and the resources that God entrusted to us? The Bible says our master is coming back. And when he comes back, he's looking to find wise servants, wise stewards. All right, here we go. Four principles of stewardship, a stewardship perspective. One of the major challenges of stewardship is when we confuse ownership with management. Number one, the first principle is this, God owns everything. Can, can you guys say that with me to count of three? All of our campuses together, one, two, three. God 
owns everything. Let me start. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. This is a powerful, powerful parable. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered, watch this, his goods to them. In the story, the goods entrusted by the owner to the stewards were talents. Now, a talent is not what some people think. A talent, we use the, the term gifts and talents and abilities. We, we, we use that synonymously, that, that gifts are gifts and our talents and our abilities. While a talent in that sense can be applied to an analogous term to gifting, specifically in this context, a talent, again, I want to say it, is a thousand, it's worth a thousand dollars in our language today. A thousand dollars. And it's a coin. It was a coin. It's a big deal. The Bible says that, that this steward, listen, was given a talent. First of all, we see that God has the right to whatever he owns. And he gives, watch this, the owner gives the responsibility to the servant to steward what he owns. There's a difference between ownership and stewardship. The Bible says that this guy goes on a journey. And when he goes on a journey, he leaves to his servants. He leaves to his stewards some talents. Now, it's very important that we understand this. The talents are not owned by the stewards. The talents are managed by the stewards. The owner, I know this is so simple, but it's so powerful. The owner, guess what? This is deep theology. The owner, he owns them. The steward, he manages them. The owner's got all the rights. And the steward has all the responsibilities. And as long as the steward is responsible with what belongs to the owner, the steward, listen, can share in the benefits of what the owner owns. But the moment, the moment the steward doesn't manage, doesn't take care of, oh yeah, guess what? He loses the privilege. Now, I've got four children. I've got a 10-year-old. She's not taking driver's ed yet. And uh, she's brilliant. She could probably drive, but I'm, we're, we're going to wait a little bit. Okay, so we've got three older ones. We, and, and three, we had three children in three and a half years. And, so, so, and they were very close in age. And as they came into the age of driving, my prayer life increased. Can I have an amen? Come on. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, parents with teenagers. I mean, if that doesn't grow your prayer life, I mean, my knees got wore out. Are y'all with me? I mean, we're, oh God. But anyway, so here it is. So, so the children, as they grew and they came to that age, there's a, there's an, there's a, well, there's a moment where as parents, you say, okay, this driving thing we got to talk about. So we had cars. And so we said, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're going to loan you our car. But you must be, it's an R word. Y'all ready? Come on, let's say it. You, you must be, come on, say it, responsible. Okay, it's not your car. No, no, I know you tell your friends that. It's my car. You own nothing, by the way. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> thought I would just share that. I just wanted to get that out of my spirit. 
It was deep in my spirit, but I just, okay, okay, here we go. But, but I want to go over this, all right? Okay, that is, you, you, you are borrowing my car. All right, now, now, as long as you are, come on, say it, R word, as long as you are what? Responsible. You have the privilege and you can share in the benefit of driving something that I own. But if you're not responsible, guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to You're going to lose your, come on, say it, privilege. As long as you're responsible. Because here's the deal. I've got all the rights. You've got all the responsibilities. Now, I want you to enjoy it. But you better be responsible. God owns it all. And he gives to us. What? Resources. Opportunity. He gives to us physical strength. He gives to us relationships. He gives to us everything that we have. And as long as we are responsible, we get to enjoy what he owns. Number one, everybody say, God owns everything. All right, number one, that's the first principle. By the way, for those of you that may not understand that scripturally, Psalms 24.1, the Bible says God owns everything. Leviticus 25.27, he owns the lamb. Haggai 2.8, he owns all the gold and silver. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 15, the nations belong to him. And if you're a born-again believer, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, your body belongs to the Lord. How many times are we making decisions about somebody else's stuff without consulting the owner? Yeah, God owns Everything. Number two, God wants us to invest wisely and generously. Matthew chapter 25, verse 15 and 16 is so powerful. And to one, he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. All right? Jesus ascended to the Father, but he's coming back. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Wow. The steward used what God gave him wisely and he multiplied it. I believe as we read the scripture that it is important for us to multiply and wisely steward what God entrusts to us in every area of our life, including financially. The purpose is, the purpose is, it's to grow what God gives us. The purpose is, the purpose is, it's to maximize the investment. Now, a steward, it's important, handles and manages something that belongs to another. And by the way, when that person comes back, they're going to inspect, what did you do with what I owned and I allowed you to use? You know, when you sit down with a financial planner, I know there's many financial planners in our church, but when you sit down with a financial planner, uh, and because remember, they, they, it's not their money, okay, you, you are investing with them, they're investing your money. One of the first things that they do is they sit down with you and they ask you, what are your what, say it, goals? So they do this risk assessment, risk analysis, you know, and are you aggressive? Where's your age? And, and, and what is your, you know, what is your appetite for risk and all this stuff? So in other words, they want to, they want to evaluate what your goals are. Why? Because they should invest with your goals in mind. They're just managing what you've given them to manage. Have you ever thought about that with God and us? 
that we should manage the resources that God entrusts to us with his goals in mind. Well, pastor, what are his goals? I'll tell you what his goals. The Bible tells us what his goals are. His goals are whatever he gives us to multiply in such a fashion that we can make an impact for him in the little dash, quote, in the time in which we live down here. By the way, I want to just say this. I want to go on record saying this. One of the things that we do as a church that I'm so proud of in our church, Pastor Gary Borgstead, our whole team here, is that we have practical classes because when we talk about investing, this is important, there's natural investment and there's spiritual investment and we need to maximize both. We have at our church, we've had over 9,000 adults go through Crown Financial, I think it's right at 10,000, Crown Financial and Financial Peace University uh, in our church. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for that? Isn't that amazing? Almost 10,000. We want to help you. I want to encourage you to all of our kids. If you've not been through Financial Peace University, written by Dave Ramsey, it's a course we've done. And in there, it talks about how to get out of debt, saving and all that. And there's a portion about the, the importance that we've got to invest to grow the resources that God's given us. Very basic there. It's not like sitting down with a financial planner, but there's some basics of, of money management. That that's, this is in the Bible, that God wants us to grow what he gives us, that God wants us to multiply. But here's the reason why. Now, there's a dichotomy. I want everybody to hear me. There, there's, there's, there's somewhat, if you look the scripture, okay, does God want us to grow the earthly resources or does God wants, does he just want us to, 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 to give it all away? Do we grow it or do we give it all away? There is this dichotomy that we grapple with. Now, I want everybody to understand how Bible interpretation works. We always interpret scripture with scripture. Let me read a scripture, then I'm going to go back and talk about the power of investing. All right, here it is. Matthew chapter 6. You're reading the Gospels, and you read something like this. And you're like, okay, I'm getting close to God. And you read all of a sudden, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Okay? Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves can break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust can't destroy. Thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. By the way, I've always found that my heart follows my treasure. Just remember that wherever you put your treasure, your heart's right behind it. And I thought, wait a minute. So do we grow and multiply in an earthly sense and invest well on earth? Or do we just, do we just, we just give it all away? Do we just invest all in gospel ministry? The answer is this. We grow as much as we can so we can actually give as much as we can. So we don't stop growing it so that we can continue to give it. Are you with me? It's both. It's what John Wesley said. Here's what he said. He says, make as much as you can, save as much as you can, and give as much as you can. That's what the great founder of the Methodist church said. So in other words, I want to encourage all of you. We are to be wise money managers. Why? Yes, so that we can have food to eat for our own table, but also so that we can have resources to sow into the kingdom of God, to see broken people heal, to see lost people saved, and to see the kingdom of God go forth. That's what it means to store riches in heaven. It's both. I've been on a journey, my wife and I, the last 25 years we've been married. I've been a Christian 32 years. I've been on a journey my whole life in this. I want to maximize what God's made me to be in every area of my life. Why? So that I can make the biggest impact for God. And so should you. 
Number three, God holds us accountable as stewards. Matthew chapter 25, verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look what I've done. I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, he multiplied what God gave him. He said, you, you, were, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you now ruler over many things. By the way, that's a key principle in the kingdom of God. Promotion comes through faithfulness and growing what God gives you, maximizing the gifts, the talents, the opportunities. When you do that, guess what? There's an expanse in the kingdom. He says, I'll make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And he who received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In the same way that the owner in this parable came back to see what his servants did with his resources that were entrusted to them, in the same way, one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to be personally accountable before God that what did we do? By the way, financial decisions need to be considered as spiritual decisions. It's not like, God, I'm a Christian an hour and 11 minutes a week at Church of the King, but everything else is my, no, no, time out. No, 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 no. I mean, oh, God, everybody say God owns it all. Boy, that was weak. Say God owns it all. That's your opportunities, your investment, your thoughts, your resource, your relationships. What do you guys do when you invest in a stock? You're looking for returns. I mean, oh, God's looking for returns. And he prospers you and multiplies as you're faithful with what God gives you. And by the way, this has nothing to do with amounts. It has to do with what he's given you. One had five, one had two, one had one. The person at the end that wins is not that has the most. It's the, been the one that managed the best. Are you with me? Yeah, that's where faithfulness comes in. Romans 14, 12. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. We are to manage and steward our influence. I, I am keenly aware as a, as a pastor that Church of the King has a certain level of influence and, and there's a, that we want to manage what God's given us. I also recognize that as a, as a leader that, that I want to recognize the gifts and talents and abilities that God's placed in me. I want to manage my relationship with my wife. I want to, well, I want to manage a relationship with, with my children. Those children belong to God, but God has placed me in a place as, as they're growing and maturing in life. In other words, I, I want to manage the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the opportunities, the influence, all of that we shall give give an account. I tell you one of the families that I've had the privilege of getting to know in, in a, in a, for, through one particular person is the Hobby Lobby family. Anybody know, ever heard Hobby Lobby? Come on, raise your hand if you heard of Hobby Lobby. David Green, I don't know David, but I know his son Mart. I serve on the board at Oral Roberts University with him and he's just, he's a couple years older than me and he's just a brilliant businessman. And they're whole, listen to me, this is important. This is when this thing gets fun. I want everybody to listen to me. This is when this stewardship gets fun, when we have an eternal perspective, when we understand it's about growing what God's given us on the, the, the here and now to be able to invest in the gospel to see lives change for the eternal picture. I was sitting next to Mart last year at a board meeting, and he thinks at a whole different level. Their whole focus with Hobby Lobby is how much money we can make so that we can plow it into the kingdom of God. 
You know, if you've been to Washington, D.C., they gave $500 million to build the Bible Museum. I've been by the Bible Museum. I've not been in the Bible Museum. I went and preached in Washington, D.C. last year. I'm going to go back. They saved Oral Roberts University when it was literally just there was in financial trade. The, 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 the money they get. Now, what's the point here? What's the point here? Remember, some have five, some have two, some have one. Don't compare amounts. Compare faithfulness. Are you with me? Are we being faithful? And businessmen and women, I want to say this. When you get this in your heart and you start understanding that God's given you entrepreneurial gifts to generate resources, to make kingdom impact... Oh man, I tell you, there's a new fire when you see your business. I had a guy tell me one time, he goes, well, pastor, you know, and I told him, I said, listen, I see Church of the King, man, as the pastor. I said, I don't own the church. I work for the church. I'm a steward. I'm the steward. I, 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 along with a team of people, I, think, I, I don't own it. And he goes, you're right. You don't own the church. Pastors get weird when they think that they own the church. And I said, absolutely. And I said, can I tell you something else? Business people get weird when they think they own their business. You're weird. Matter of fact, let me say it this way, because I'm growing in Jesus. How many of y'all praying for Pastor Steve? Listen. I used to be way more confrontational. Why you say, Pastor, are you growing in Jesus? It's that plus I'm getting tired. <laughs> and I said, let me tell you your problem. The reason why you live in stress and anxiety is because you think you own that business. Your name may be there, but you better understand God owns it all. You better fire yourself, make Jesus the CEO, and you work for him. Are y'all with me? That's how it works. Matter of fact, all the business. Matter of fact, I want everybody to say, say, say this. Say, God owns my business. And then you just fill in the blank. God owns my kids. God owns this. God. Now listen, that's not passivity. You actually should, should diligently. Remember your dad taught you as a kid when you borrowed the rake from the neighbor? When you borrow the rake from the neighbor, come on, if you don't get this, you're not even, just, I don't even know. When you borrow the rake from that, bring it back to them and bring it and, and, and bring it back and make sure it's even what? Better. So it's going to be cleaned off. That's actually a scriptural principle. When God comes back, we better make it better than what he gave us. All right, let me give you the last one. Y'all learn anything? All right, here we go. I hope you are. I'm the only one working right now. All right, here we go. All right, all right here, it here it is. Number four, and then we're, and we're done. God requires action. I got two minutes. Come on, stay with me. God requires action. Matthew chapter 25, verse 24, 25. This is a sobering two verses. Then he who received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, which is not true. That's not a harsh man. Reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you can have what you gave me. In other words, you didn't multiply it. I gave you those skills and you didn't grow them? You didn't do anything with it? Matter of fact, if you read the rest of that, the Bible actually says this. The master takes that one and he gives it to the guy that had a bunch. Why is that? God's into stewardship. God is committed to this thing. And he gives us all the opportunity. But here's the point. Here's the point. It was fear. 
Fear caused that person to not steward well. I'll close with this story. 1930s, those of you guys that know American history, and I love history, I'm a history buff. And uh, in the 1930s, there was a phenomenon in the Midwestern part of the United States, and it was called the Great Dust Bowl. 1931, 33, 36, 39, really all throughout the 30s, as we were in the Great Depression, and it was really interesting. And I, I remember reading about a man named Jeremiah Clay. He was a believer. And during the Dust Bowl, two reasons why it happened. Number one, we didn't have the agricultural understanding of how to properly take care of the fields. And so there was a, they, 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 they overworked the topsoil in a sense, but there was also no rain for year after year after year after year. And it literally produced over a hundred million acres a giant, old timers would say, in, in northern Oklahoma, they said it was just like there was this giant when the wind blew, this giant dust. But you had to go inside your house. And Jeremiah Clay was a farmer. And uh, it had been years, it had been years, and he saw the diminishing returns. And, 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 and he would go and, and they, would, they, they would plant. They, they, they would plant, the people would, they would plant, and, and the wind would come. And, and the problem is it would blow away the seed. And I remember reading this about him in a biographical sense. And he said, I was, I was scared to sow. How many times do we look at the circumstances around us? Matter of fact, even in this last six, seven, eight months during this pandemic, some of you business people, I want to encourage you. You've been affected financially. But listen, God's calling you to reach out and step out again. God's calling you to step out. You can't just wait until the rapture, just, just kind of keep in the shoebox, you know, your last thousand dollars. We've got to, listen, how do you spell faith, pastor? R-I-S-K. We've got to risk it and step out. We can't just shrink. Jeremiah Clay, he went back and he was at the bottom of the barrel with his seeds and, and he just kept looking at him and thought to himself, it had been five years and he knew that this was the year. If he didn't sow this year, it was over. But he was so scared that if the wind came, I want to help everybody. We don't live by the world's economy. We live by God's economy. We don't look at the circumstances around us. Are y'all with me? We live for a higher kingdom and higher authority and higher principles. And Jeremiah, he prayed and he said, God, I'm going to take my last. And he took his seed and and he prayed and he, and he went and he sowed those seeds. And he sowed those seeds. And sure enough, that was the year. That was the year the rain came. And he remember, I remember him. He grabbed his wife and said, honey, look at it. It's, 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 starting, it's starting to rain. Now, he could have done this. He could have looked at those seeds. It was getting smaller and smaller. And that would have been it. Or he could have risked it. Listen to me. I want everybody to hear me. I do not believe most Christians are greedy. I believe they're fearful. They're fearful. Come to an offering time, and when we used to pass buckets, and they would just maybe put $20 in and just watch it. I have a little mini funeral as it goes down the aisle. Just put on black suit. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, there it goes out the door. Oh, my God. I You know that was funny online. Every single person, I can't. Listen to me. But listen to me. Here's my point. Look at me. Look at me. God can't bless 
fearful living. Come on, he can't bless fearful living. God owns it all. God wants you to sow. God wants you to grow the resources that he's given you in the earth so that you can make a greater impact for him in eternity. You can have for your family, but also enough to share. That's what Paul talked about. But we've got to be willing to step out and push past the fear and steward with diligence. All, and God increases it and he increases it. And I'm going to tell you what happens. I'll tell you, we get set free from fear. We step into peace. Come on, how many of y'all want that in your life? I want that in my life. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask all the campuses to stand. If, if you can, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. And the prayer teams at all of our campuses, if you'd come forward. Our altar is open for anybody that needs prayer. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, we'd like to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe something in the message today touched your heart. And, you just say, Pastor, I just need prayer. We're here for you. We'll wait 10, 15 minutes. There's music after every service with people that would love to just join their faith with you. I want to say this for those of you that are guests. By the way, on the way out, you can drop your guest connection cards. Anything that you brought. Matter of fact, your tithes and offerings as well. But I want everybody to hear me. Stay with me over the next couple of weeks. Stay with me. God does not want you living in fear and anxiety in this area. He wants you living free. And the first step is understanding God owns it all. Would you say that with me? The count of three. One, two, three. God owns it. Let me pray. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. May the grace of God be upon them. Lord, may a spirit of faith be released in our hearts. God, I bless your people. May the favor of God be upon their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. What another incredible message. You know, Missy, it really was. And you know what I love? It's how each week we get to come together as a family, worship, be challenged, be encouraged with a great message that can really help us take us in to the week. That's right. And if you're new here, we'd love to know so you can join us at our next steps. So please text CONNECT to 822-822 for more information. And if you're not new, we'd still love to hear from you. So take a moment and you can email us online at churchofthekingcom Or if you need anything else, just give us a call 985-727-7017. We're here for you. We want to be able to pray with you and help you on your journey. Have a great week and we'll see you next week at Church Online.